famine. And I love the Christmas story because there's so many acts of praise within the Christmas story. Even before Jesus is born, Mary exalts the Lord Jesus Christ when she finds out she's going to be the carrier and the virgin that's going to carry the Christ child. She gets excited and she praises the Lord. We see the shepherds praise the Lord. They're the first to hear the angels praise the Lord. We find that the wise men come and praise him. Now time has gone by, and in Luke chapter uh, 2, the baby's already born. Mary and Joseph are still in Bethlehem, maybe about six to nine miles or so from Jerusalem and from the temple. The baby is now 33 years old. According to the Old Testament, when a baby boy was born, on the 33rd day, you would take him to the temple. And there you would offer a lamb if you could. If you couldn't afford a lamb, you could offer two turtle doves or two young pigeons. But Mary and Joseph, of course, uh, were not, were not uh, even though they were born of the seed of David, they were not wealthy. And so they offered two turtle doves, but they made their way, making sure, and of course I'm sure their sensitivity to doing things the Bible way, and according to the Old Testament scriptures in Leviticus chapter 12 and other places in the Old Testament, they were very sensitive. We've got to do everything right, especially because it matters to Jesus. And so they were very meticulous. On the eighth day, he would be uh, circumcised. His name would be given to him, Jesus. There was no doubt about the name because God had told Joseph his name would be Jesus at a separate time that he told Mary his name would be Jesus. So naming the child was not a mystery to either one of them. They both knew that that was going to happen. But now it's 33 days old, and they have taken him. If you can imagine a baby just over a month old now, and two little, uh, little couples coming in, and they're going to the temple. And uh, they're going to, to present themselves to raise Jesus uh, the way God wants them to be raised and present him and dedicate him to the Lord with a sacrifice. And I think it's always good when a God brings a child into your home. You ought to bring a gift to the Lord. Because children are an heritage of the Lord. And uh, it ought to be a, a way that's the Old Testament pattern. And uh, I remember each time that God would give us a child, we would, on the first day we could bring, we would bring a special gift to the Lord outside of our tithes and offerings to give to the Lord in gratitude for the fact that he gave us such a gift to raise a child with him. Well, Mary and Joseph followed the Old Testament matters and they came in. But when they came in, they were greeted by two senior citizens, by two people who equally praised God. Very unique people, one a man, Simeon, one a lady, Anna. And it's just interesting to me that these two senior saints served the Lord and they had a sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And this church is loaded with wonderful, wonderful servants of Christ. Many in here, you're under uh, 14 years of age. I'm sure if I asked you to stand, there would be hundreds of people stand up. They're just children, young people, not to mention the others who are in different locations and junior churches and other places in our ministry. We have a teen center behind us, a teen center down the street from Chicagoland Teens. We have junior churches, and some are held off-site at uh, City Baptist schools. And so not everybody's here. Across the way, over a 1,000 uh, Spanish-speaking people will be there in their, in their services this morning. So there's lots of things going on here. But in, in this room, there are children, there are teenagers, there are single adults that are here that have not yet been married, or maybe some who are 
who are single again, but they're single adults that are here. There are folks who are married, young couples. I was just looking across the audience this morning and seeing several folks who just been saved, or excuse me, been married just a, a few months and some a few years, and some of them, they can, they can uh, identify with Mary and Joseph bringing their baby to the dedications that we have three or four times a year right here on this platform. And they're bringing themselves to dedicate themselves like Mary and Joseph did. And then we have some folks that uh, your kids, you're, they're in high school, junior high, like uh, Linda and I, our youngest now, are in junior high and high school, and, and we're kind of watching our kids through the adolescent days and coming into the empty nest syndrome. And some of you have been empty nesters for a while, and uh, now some of you have now uh, gone on to life and buried your spouse and said goodbye and now sleeping on a one-pillow bed and, and working through life without the loved one that you had, just like Miss Marge is going to do and did for the first time last night and, and going through that situation. Everybody's at different stages. But uh, in the aftermath of Christmas, God puts a spotlight on the senior saints. These two people, Simeon and Anna, and uh, you know the church needs everybody. God put us together. He didn't, you didn't even show up on your own abilities. If you're in this church this morning or you've chosen to put your life and influence here, uh, God orchestrated that. The Bible says the Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved. So it's his job to build the church. It's not my job to build the church. I hope you don't come here because of me. I'm glad we can serve God together, but I'm certainly very too low for you to look. You need to look way above Pastor Wilkerson, way above the program of the church, way above the property of the church, way above everything. Even the philosophy can go right to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we find that, uh, we find that uh, God highlights Simeon's encounter with that young couple. Let's look at the scriptures real quickly. I want you to notice two things about these senior adults. Number one, I want you to notice their person. Who were they? What made them special? Number two, I want you to notice their praise. What did, they, what did they thank God for? What did they bless the Lord for? And see, whether you are six years old or 75, uh, you and I need to follow the example of these people. I always enjoy seeing people who have done the right thing the right way for the right reason for many decades. This church's strength rests heavily upon people who have weathered difficult storms. By the way, I love our church. And I believe God loves our church. I, like he, I believe he's made it a soul-winning station where people get to hear the gospel of Christ locally and globally in supernatural ways that only God could explain. There are many wonderful churches that have been through real trials, and our church is no exception to that. It's taken a many a gut punch from the devil, and it's not a perfect church. It's certainly not. We've got more room to improve than you can shake a stick at. But I also thank God that through this ministry, both locally and globally, God gets strength and glory. And anytime people hear the gospel of Christ, and we can get caught up and get so distracted in this thing and what you feel about this and what I feel about this and what this person said on Facebook and what this person's doing right there. But the truth of the matter is, you know what God's excited about? Getting people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that is no excuse for not living right or doing right or treating someone right, but that is where God's focus is. You read in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, when God gives a whole chapter on prayer, he said, I want all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're saved today, you're saved because somewhere along the line, a local church did its job. And they got the gospel to another person. 
And by the way, if you're a part of this church or any church, you ought to be a part of getting people to the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep gospel tracts, talk about Jesus, talk to him, talk for him, to those who don't know the Lord. You ought to get passionate and excited every time you see the baptistry water stirred, every time you hear someone's name and they stand up and someone asks them, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save sinners? And they say, yes. You ought to say, praise God. I remember when I said that. And have you put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you? And you ought to say, thank God. When you watch a, a video or you see a missionary that's telling someone else the gospel of Christ or someone says, we gave a blanket and we got to preach to these many people, you ought to say in your heart, thank God, the church is doing its job. We got, we got problems because we got human beings. But I thank God. And by the way, I'm glad that Mary and Joseph went to church. I'm glad they showed up at the temple of, the Holy, the temple of God and brought their little boy there. Some of you, sometimes he'll say, well, we'll get our kids there when they get older. You ought to get your kids there as soon as they can possibly be there. Let them get, to get accustomed to what happens at the local church. I believe it's so important. But who were these people? And then why did they praise the Lord? I must hasten, but let's look at it real quickly. If we can, look at chapter 2 and verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was what? So we're talking about Simeon's person. Number one, he was a just man. Now, there are many thoughts on that. I actually called a friend of mine who is Greek and who reads the Bible in Greek, and I asked him yesterday, I said, hey, can you help me, Mike, understand, is that, does that have any significance? He goes, no, I think it means what it says. It means the same thing in uh, English as it does in Greek. And usually, whenever you see someone who is just, it is, first of all, is someone who, has been, who believes in God and has been justified. And so I think that's great. But I think oftentimes when the Old Testament, it says about Abraham that I, I trust Abraham. I believe Abraham because he, is, he will do justly. Usually just has to do with your relations to other people. You treat other people well. Listen, friend, you can't love God and, and be unkind and, and grievous to other people. You, you need to get on the same page there. God said, if you wanted to boil down all the Bible and two commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So that's really important to do this. So this guy was just. Number two, he was devout. He was not only just and a good to those around him. And by the way, D.L. Moody said this, I think every believer ought to, believe, ought to live so that everyone around them knows that they're a true Christian, but especially those in his own house. There's nothing more that fires people up is than when somebody acts like they're a Christian better outside the home than they are inside the home. Now, all of us have issues, and none of us are perfect, and no one's child is perfect, no one's husband, no one's wife. But you ought to work to be as a sincere Christian in the address that you live as you do in your workplace, as well as you do in the choir practice, as well as you do as an usher in our church. Whatever it is you do, be a good Christian, but especially in your own home. He was just and he was devoted to the Lord. I think it's so important that God's people be devoted to the things of God. This is what this guy was known for. He was just, he was devout. And then the Bible says in verse number 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's an idiom referring to, in, in the in, in Israeli idiom, to the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. I want you to notice something about uh, Simeon. Number one, that he was, he was good to others around him. Are you good to others around you? Number two, he was devoted to the God that was above him. He was good to those around him. He was devoted to the God who he was responsible to. 
Number two, he anticipated the Lord Jesus Christ coming. He anticipated. He was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for the Messiah coming. You know, I think one of the things that God wants us to do, now, he already came one time. Remember, he came the first time to his own, and his own received him not. The next time he's coming, he's coming for his own with us to take us to be with him. And then he's going to come back uh, with his own. And we'll come back here with him for at least a thousand years to rule and reign in, a, in an environment that will not have satanic influences. It will not have uh, where the lion will lay down with the lamb, where there will be a wonderful time. It's amazing how much we try to get crammed into 70 years here, forgetting about the thousand years that we'll enjoy with a, with, with a God who without, uh, and he'll rule and reign, he'll be the great equalizer. And then we get to live forever with him. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's why Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. He said, make sure that you're heavenly minded. Every once in a while someone will say, well, that guy's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. I haven't found, haven't found that guy yet. Anybody who has a heavenly mind, they're right on God's page. Well, this guy definitely was spiritually induced. He was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I love that about him. He was very sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God had confirmed in his heart that he was not going to die until he had seen the, the Messiah. So he was old, he was just, he was devoted to the Lord, he was patiently waiting for the consolation, he was filled with the Spirit of God, and he, was, he had confirmation, not that you and I had, that we're not going to die until the Messiah came. But that's what he had. That's unique to him and not to us. I, I hope I'm still here when Jesus comes back. But if I'm not, and I don't know, I can't say with emphatic uh, confidence I will be. I may meet the Lord by death or I may meet him by the rapture. But however, I'm excited about either one of those. Maybe not on the next train, but I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing him. However, this guy had confirmation from the Holy Spirit of God that he was not going to die until he got to see the Messiah. Well, let's look, if we can, please, what the Bible says in verse number 26. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, of course, Christ is speaking to Messiah. Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. By the way, Spirit-filled Christians will go to church. They won't just watch online if they can be in church. I'm sure there are hundreds of people watching online, and if, you're, if you are hindered and you're, on, you're listening to the radio because you cannot, you're providentially hindered from coming, that's one thing. If you could be in the house of God and you're watching online, I think you've got, uh, you got some responsibility to consider that you can't exhort people uh, from your couch. You need to be here to do that. And I want to encourage you to, to, us to not forsake. Well, the Spirit of the Lord led this man to go into the temple. Look at verse number 27. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of law, verse 28, would you mind reading this, if you would please, everyone? Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Kind of a beautiful thought here. This older man... 
He is, uh, he's got a reputation of treating people right. He's devoted to the Lord. He's spirit-filled. He's anticipating the coming of the Messiah. He's got in, inward confirmation he's not going to die till he sees him. And by the Spirit of the Lord, he leads him to the temple at the same time where there is a young couple coming in with a baby. He sees the young couple. The Spirit of God confirms to him, this is the Messiah. He goes over to Mary and says, give me your baby. Well, I think about Mary willing to take her little child and say, okay, he's an older man, maybe thinking, oh, he drops him. Or, but he, he says, can I have the baby? And she takes the little baby and hands it into the hand of this senior citizen. And he looks at him and says, now my eyes have seen thy salvation. Notice what he was looking. He wasn't looking at a babbershoe water. I was talking to someone recently, and I said, do you know for sure you have eternal life? He said, well, I was baptized. So? Water cannot wash away sin. Baptism has absolutely zero ability to bring you to Jesus Christ. It's not a part of salvation. It's a picture of salvation. When someone asks you about your salvation, don't talk to them about water. Because baptism is not. That man wasn't looking at a baptistry pool. He wasn't looking at a membership role. Well, I went to this church, right? He wasn't looking at his good deeds that he had done, at his own works. No, he was looking at Jesus. Because the only way we can have salvation is through the person of Jesus Christ. Have you met Jesus face to face? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about have you received a transfer of your sins for his son? Everyone who dies, dies one of two ways. With your sin and a fair trial about a God who knows everything about you. With a God. Or you'll go into eternity with a free pardon and with Christ. With God's Son or your sin. And the greatest mistake in the world is to go to hell over a mistake. Don't go to hell because someone told you you were saved. You and God know that. You need to make sure that you know that. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm not here to, to rattle your cage unless it needs to be rattled. And then I pray the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know you're not saved. Then don't let pride or procrastination keep you from humbling yourself and realizing that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And you need a Savior in Jesus Christ. That old man held up a baby and looked in that baby and said, Now, Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. He was looking in the, into the face of Jesus. And that's the only way. Don't accept any other counterfeit. You say, well, how do you know you're saved? Don't have any other answer but Jesus. Because he that hath the Son hath everlasting life. Let's look at the person of Anna real quickly. Anna, a different story here. Now... This man, he speaks, to, he speaks to, 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 to God about them. He says, now, Lord, let your, your servant depart in peace. And after he greets Mary and Joseph, then another lady comes on the scene. Her name is Anna. Let's look down at the scripture again in verse number 36. And there was one, Anna, and I'm so glad that God exalts womanhood. By the way, you precious girls in here, we talked about it on Wednesday night, how that the word praise is found six times in the book of Proverbs. Three times it revolves around a lady, who godly, a godly holy lady. This girl was a godly holy lady. Look at her, if you would, please. She was a prophetess. I mean, she, she proclaimed God's word. She wasn't a preacher, but she, she, did, she was a conduit of God's truth. 
She's a daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. She was old and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. So she was married as a virgin. By the way, that's how God wants you to be married, young lady, young man. He wants you to be, save yourself for the spouse that God has for your future. You don't sleep around before you get married. You wait and get married, and then you enjoy the beautiful intimacy that God has. So this girl was a virgin. She got married. She lived with her husband for seven years, and then he passed away. And so now, for all these years, she's at least 84 years old. Some people believe she was older than that, and I'm not going to argue with that, but the Bible says she was a great age, and she, from the time she got married, she lived with her husband seven years, and now, for all these years, she has been a widow. And so more probably, uh, more than 60 years, she's been living alone. But she's been living for the Lord. Look at the next thing the Bible says in verse 37. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years old, 84 years old, which departed not from the temple. And I, of course, some folks believe she might have had an apartment right close to the temple. I think that she was just totally committed to, to serving the Lord. She, it was her life to give her of her life. She said, I don't have a husband to take care of. I don't have any babies to raise. I'm going to give my life to doing what I can at the house of God. She said, she said this, is, this, is, this is what butters my bread. This is what I'm going to do with my time and my effort. I'm going to spend my time at the house of God. Notice, if you would, please, she departed not, but she served God. And by the way, the best thing about serving God is serving God. <laughs> you might not get a pat in the back. You might get a kick in the pants. But you know what? You want to live in an audience of one. You want to realize that you're here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Your pastor should be here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do ushering, you sing in the choir. And some of you ought to sing in the choir. Some of you ought to play instruments in the orchestra. It would do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do for God, she served God. And she served him two ways, by fasting and prayers. You know, sometimes we are convinced that when we pray, we're really not doing much. Matter of fact, some of us even said this. All we can do now is pray. You know, God seems to think, and according to the passage here, this precious lady refrained herself from things that brought her enjoyment to spend time with the Lord, and God counted that as personal service to him. Increase her sensitivity to the God of heaven. This precious girl, who was, who was she? She was a lady who had endured such difficulties. I think when I think about Anna, I think about, number one, her tenure. She served God decade after decade. She just kept, she went through the same thing everybody else goes through that makes them quit, and she just kept going. Faithfully going on. Tenure. I think about her testimony. I think about her trials, the loneliness, the insecurity, the challenges of living by yourself and caring for yourself without Social Security, mind you. Giving of herself to that. I think of many things about Hannah, or about Anna. She was tested. She was a servant. She gave of her talents and her time. I think also the beautiful thing is that she, she had a timeliness about it. I think she was spirit-filled. Look, if you would please, the next verse, and then I want to share with you a couple thoughts. We can praise God and we need to dismiss. Look at verse 38. And she coming in, in that What? You know, it's, I think there's uncanny um, things that happen to people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I think the closer you and I can be the Spirit of God, 
the more we're at the right place at the right time. That only God could explain. You might think you're just in that, at that gas station by accident. You may not be there by accident. You know, when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, all, every ground is, is holy ground. Every bush is a burning bush. There's something spiritual going on around us. She came in at that instant. This lady who had tenure and trials and difficulties, and yet she, she was devoted to serve God. She, she didn't quit serving the Lord. And at that instant, she came in, she sees this little young couple, and she does two things. She thanks God for what she's seen. She thanked the Lord. Number two, she told others and testified to others who also needed to know. Well, when I think about these two couples, this, this two, two little individuals, I'm looking forward to meeting them one day. They probably will not be in their 80s. They'll probably be probably at 30 years old, I imagine. But I'll get to find out who Simeon is and what he looks like and what kept him going all those years. But you know, several things that made me praise the Lord about this when I think about Simeon and Anna. I want you to, want you to rehearse this with me. And I'll just close with this, these thoughts. Would you listen? Would you think about it? Could you praise the Lord for these very same things? Number one, praise God that he keeps his word. Aren't you glad? He's the one who sent Jesus. He told he was going to do it years ago in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in Micah 5, verse 2, in Isaiah, unto you a child is born. Isaiah 7, 14, a, a, a virgin would conceive. And he keeps his word. Aren't you glad God keeps his word? Number two, I, I learned here that we should praise the Lord, that you can transition this life with peace. He said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. How are you going to leave this world? Are you going to leave it with grudges, rebellion, angst, vengeance? How are you going to leave this world? Can you leave in peace? I wasn't there at 1.50 yesterday afternoon when Brother Bill Hassey left this world, but I think probably he left in peace. When you live right, you can die right. When you make good decisions, he said, you know, Lord, it's been fun serving you, but I'm ready to go home. Can you let me go home in peace? I'm glad that people can depart this world in peace. I am also praise the Lord that salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's in the person of Jesus. And I've already given tribute to that this morning. But don't look anywhere else for salvation but Jesus. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And the last thing that blesses me about this is that the Bible tells us that Simeon said, you know what, now Jesus is available to all people, to Gentiles and to the Jew. He is the light to the Gentiles. He is the glory for the Jew. And then the Bible goes on to say, he said, Mary, it's going to be a rough road to hold. A sword's going to pierce through you. This beautiful baby I'm holding, one day you're going to, you're going to, you're going to think you want to die because of what's happened to him. But he needs to die so you and I can live. And he says he's set for the fall and the rising of many. You know, everybody who meets Jesus is going to respond one of two ways. He's going to be a reason you will fall away. He's going to be a stumbling block to those who don't believe. But he will be a stepping stone to people who put their faith in him. He is set for the fall of many and the rising of many. Which side are you on?
Have you made Jesus a stumbling block? Do you have a hard time even serving Him, maybe because you haven't been saved by Him? Make sure that He's not a stumbling block. Make sure He's your cornerstone, your stepping stone to bring you back to a wonderful resurrected life through the person of Jesus in this life and in the life to come. Let's pray together, can we?